It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credential newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball, and Olympic sports. If you want to subscribe for $6 a month, you can go to www.theagship.com. There's also the $10 tier, which will get you access to uh, twice-weekly film stories, as well as the monthly uh, premium Q&A podcast, which we are I'm going to be recording this week. Uh, I sent out questions. The call for questions for that have gotten a couple in. If you have a question for that and you are subscribed to that $10 tier and you got that email um, and you have a question, please do pop in and send that along. You still have a little bit of time to do that. And uh, even if you missed the boat this time around, if the question is not specific to a, a you know certain time, we will uh, get to it on the next one. That's the cool thing about the, the way that the job form works is that those questions don't go away. So uh, if you have any questions for that and you are subscribed, send those in. If you're not subscribed, you have a question, uh, go subscribe, www.theagship.com. Uh, be happy to have you. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Parker Ballantyne. We're going to be talking about uh, Utah State's 45 to 38 loss to James Madison. Parker, how's it going, man? Hey, what's up, Patrick? Um, doing well. Uh, how are you? I'm all right. I'm. Uh, it's been a busy. It's been a busy couple of days. It was a busy Saturday. It was a crazy Saturday in Logan. Um, it. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a, a, an evening of uh, emotional swings. I think for the Aggies uh, that ultimately did not end the way that they wanted. But I think there's a lot to still take from the game, which we've been saying you know several times now this season that it didn't end the way they wanted but there's a lot to take from it uh utah state now one and three on the season with three losses that could be described in the same way um and uh yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into this with uh first probably just a, a quick little talk about the game itself so like i said james madison 45 utah state 38 Utah State with a, I don't remember exactly, they were down 24 on several occasions. They were down 24 with a minute 32 left in the first half, 38-14. They storm back, rattle off 20, they rattle off 24 points in a row. Yeah, rattle off 24 points in a row to make it 38-38 to early in the fourth quarter. And then all of that momentum just kind of, goes for whatever reason and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in more detail but um james madison strikes with a long touchdown pass 74 yards to reggie brown utah state has a little less than six minutes left to try and answer and is not able to do so with three shots at it um and the aggies fall as i said to one and three they have one non-conference game left this upcoming week they're headed out to yukon that is quite the road trip um we will uh, we'll preview that one later than this week. But Parker, just general here as we as we get into this, what are you feeling right now? Where are you at with this game and and with this team? Yeah, I mean, like you said, Patrick, right there at the top, um, this is just another one of those losses. I think we have three of these now where you learn a lot, and there's a lot to feel good about. But at the end of the day, the the scoreboard isn't what you want it to look like. Um. I think I'm reaching my limit. I think three is about as many yeah. of these kind of losses as I want. It's time to start learning, uh, taking these lessons and, and actually learning what we need to. Um, because, you know, at some point, all this all this stuff that I feel optimistic about, I want to see it put into action. Um, let me – so so here are my notes. I, I put out a, a tweet that it was it was kind of just like, fresh off the uh off the loss like you said very emotional loss so this was this is what i said on on twitter and i think this shows uh this is kind of where i was at right after um mckay hillstead 
Yep. The first quarter, JMU yep. is really good. Mm-hmm. Someone needs to tell the herd to be quiet when we're on offense. That was odd. <laughs> uh, there was a couple of things with the herd that were odd. Um, yeah. McKay Hillstead again. Yep. Ike Larson is a dude, but he needs to play smart. Mm-hmm. JMU coaches showing the ref a cell phone on the sideline. Yeah. Which was absurd. Those yeah. are those are the takeaways that within my character limits I, I had. You yeah. responded on the ag ship McKay Hillstead, which yeah. I think shows exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly how this show is gonna go. Um plenty to talk about with McKay Hillstead. The one thing I missed um that was was a takeaway just in, in this game watching um Levi Williams on the kickoff team. Did you yeah, notice that? I did. So, <laughs> I, I, I saw that. I got a couple comments about that of people like trying to figure out if it was him. I think it was him. I think it was. It was Levi. Yeah, he has sort of, sort of an unmistakable, unmistakable uh, tattoo pattern on it. Yeah, it's the tattoo. That's yeah, there's not a ton of guys on this team who have tattoos, and so you see, you see sixteen with that, and you're you're pretty confident it's going to be him. Um, yeah, yeah, I did see that. I I, I don't. Uh, the kickoff team had some issues in this game. It also had some plays <laughs> right. that were pretty good. Um, I don't, I don't hate that. He's he's a big guy. You you know probably can use him basically like you would a tight end on a kickoff return. He is essentially a tight end athlete. Um, right. I, I yeah, get get him involved. It's that's uh, I, I like that. It's good to see him on the field. Yeah. Uh, so I mean that those were those were my takeaways in that game. It sounds like the Levi Williams one is is uh, you know you you mentioned that you you kind of. Let's talk about that one for another for a second because yeah. you're right. He is a, a tight end in a you know in a quarterback's jersey as I've as I've said basically since he arrived here in Logan. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I like you said. I do think that's a great use of a guy like Levi Williams. That's, uh, I mean, that's like an ultimate football guy move. I went from lukewarm on Levi Williams to yeah. seeing him on the kickoff team and like I I he's my guy now. Like that's my dog. Um, he he's a uh, okay quarterback but i he's just a total football guy i guess so that's all you know that's awesome he, he seemed my guess is he just went to coach and just said hey i want to play something like that i mean even when even when he was transferring here we do know it was it was probably more than football it, it wasn't a purely football move his girlfriend was on the volleyball team yeah. um and so it was it was probably more than a football move to come here and that's that's great that's fine there's plenty of reasons to go to utah state my one concern uh by Blake Anderson's own admission, it's going to be really, really hard to keep McKay Hillstead upright. Yeah. We've already moved away from Cooper Lega. Blake has shown even a week after he benched him, I think in the press conference, he still was harping on uh, some frustrations that he has with Cooper. That that situation seems anything but resolved. <laughs> yeah. We really want to take our only other quarterback and, and run him out there on the kickoff unit because it's my understanding as well that we took Tua Tagaloa, who is a tight end quarterback hybrid in high school, and we've moved him to the tight ends room too. So is this yeah. really – what does this mean for the quarterback room going forward? I have some concerns with that with that move. Yeah, yeah I, I, would, I mean, Levi is still practicing there. Levi can still – and obviously if he gets hurt on kickoff team, then this is a very different story and suddenly – 
you're starting to look at like Zeke Payne, who was a, a pretty you know decent Juco quarterback, but I don't think that they would really want him to be on the field. They certainly don't want Ezra Harris to be on the field. He's wearing number 22. There's, you don't want a quarterback wearing number 22 to be out there on the field, right. um, just in general. And there's not a comment on the young man. If you're putting him in 22, you're saying something about how you feel about him. Um, he's a body. He is a body who can be on the team this year, and they don't really want him to have to go and play. Um, I guess the, the thing is, like, Cooper can go into the game. Cooper has won conference games before. He doesn't do it, I guess, the way that Utah State would like to do it. Um, and you're, you're right. It is it is very f- funny and, and kind of strange that Blake is still harping on Cooper a week later. His true freshman quarterback just played really well um, and I thought made a lot of really impressive plays and, and continues really not to look like a true freshman. He had a couple of true freshman mistakes. Yeah. The throws that he makes, the confidence that he has in making them is very impressive. And you very, still get yeah. in, on the Monday press conference, you know, talking about, you know, Cooper's indecisiveness. It's like, yeah, I get it. He's, <laughs> I, I, you, you, you've proved it. I've seen enough. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think that all that many people were like mortified uh, to see McKay Hillstead in the game. Like there are Cooper Lega fans out there. There are people who are, you know, I, I think Cooper Lega is a great, a, a great leader. I think he's obviously a, a, a Utah high school legend. He's a winner. He is all of those things that people say about him. I also think that McKay is, as I said last week, a much better fit for the offense. Um, and I think that that has borne out and it does feel like, it feels like Blake is, is arguing against someone who doesn't exist, right? He's it's like, yeah, yeah. okay, just do it. You, if you, if you believe in the freshman quarterback, he has played well enough that I think most people will agree with, agree with your assessment. Um, and also, it doesn't matter if they if they do. You're the head coach. You know, you can just do that. It's fine. You can. <laughs> that's the job. You're getting paid a lot of money to make that sort of decision. If that's the decision you want to make, then just do it. You don't need to justify right. yourself for, for two weeks afterward. Like, yeah, Cooper was struggling. It's not. This is not news. Um, yeah. That was, so <laughs> that was pretty funny. It was odd. So I was trying not to read too much into it as I watched the press conference. But it sounds like you noticed the same thing. Yeah. And so. It is weird. And I think it does play into what we have talked about uh, on the show before is, you know, there are some, some people out there and there's probably a lot of people in Cooper's camp and his, you know, inner circle that feel like he was never given a fair chance. And maybe that Blake even has it out for him. And that that's kind of the extreme version of that school of thought. But yeah, when you have Blake, I, I mean, Dude, yeah. we get it. Like he didn't play. That's why I, I, he didn't see the field at all. You don't have to keep bringing it up. Yeah. So that was a little bit weird, and I think it does play into uh, to some of that. Um, yeah, that relationship. And I don't know what that looks like. Uh, he says Blake says that he has a, a good. Uh, you know, he he mentioned that he has a good a line of communication with all three quarterbacks. Yeah, um, but that yeah, was weird. That that was and, odd. And I think that Cooper is. You know, he's an adult. I think that he can yeah. he can understand the situation. I think he is, from what I have seen, handling it the right way. Um, he was warming up. He he stayed warm on the sidelines during the game just in case he needed to go in. I think he is preparing um every week as if he will need to be, you know, called into action, which is good. You you want him to do that. You want the number two quarterback to do that and be ready to go under any circumstances, even when he's a, a guy who was the starter earlier in the season and was benched. Um, I would, uh, yeah, I would probably caution against adding too much flame to that fire. If you're, if you're Blake, I think you probably can let Cooper just be, <laughs> be the backup. I don't yeah. know that you need to keep 
slamming on him. He's probably not going to be made more confident by that, which is his biggest problem. Um, exactly. Yeah, might, that was my concern as well. Yeah, you might want to. I don't know. And, and I, I would guess that he will adjust uh, as we move forward and get further away from it. And McKay becomes more the singular question rather than the the question of McKay versus Cooper. It's more just what's McKay right. doing. Um, right. And so it I is. would imagine that that will be the case. But also, I would have just done that now. You, you do that now. It's over. You made the call. It was pretty obvious that McKay was going to be the starter moving forward. Um, even last Monday before we saw him play against James Madison, he and then he went and played out of his mind against a really good defense. And yeah, obviously he's the starter. Duh. <laughs> it's not yes, really a there, at this point. There is there is no quarterback battle. It, it is a weird strategy for Blake Anderson to to take your your quarterback and then take your two backup quarterbacks and and continue to to just kind of slam one in press conferences and then put the other on a kickoff team. Like that's a <laughs> that's a bold strategy. Um, and you're really betting on an offensive line that has not looked great so far to protect oh. a 5, 10, 18 year old. Yeah. Um, and like, okay, you're, you're really not setting yourself up yeah. with that, with that number two, number three spot, but we'll, no. we'll see where, how that goes. And, and maybe it is just a, a level of, I think you could, if you were trying to read it more positively, you could ascribe it to a level of faith that Anderson has in Cooper's ability to handle the situation with yeah. responsibility yeah. And, and maturity and, and, that he has seen that. And I, I think that that is a distinct possibility that he knows Cooper can take it. Um, and, uh, you know, he's trying to keep him, trying to keep him up and, and keep him improving and not just stagnant as the, as the backup, you know, the backup quarterback job can be the easiest job in football. If you let it be as the quarterback. And I think that the coach really doesn't want that to be the case because yeah, Cooper might be called on and, and Utah state needs him to continue to develop and to, to be ready for that spot because they won't, win a lot of games this year if Cooper is called on for an extended period of time and he's not ready to go and he hasn't been training like a you know like a guy who would have to go in the game and so maybe you can you can read it like that personally I just wouldn't say anything about it I'd probably just talk about McKay who is I think really impressive and <laughs> there's a right, lot of things exactly. to say about him that we're going to say on this podcast um yeah and and then the the, the last thing I have on this is that you know, Chase Chase Tagaloa is at tight end. He's playing tight end. He's being trained at tight end. That's where they think he's going to be in the future. But he can play quarterback if they need him to. If they're if they're down to their fourth string quarterback, if if Cooper is is hurt or struggling, or if Levi is hurt on kickoff team, or you know whatever whatever happens that that they need to put a quarterback into the game and they're down to the fourth string guy. I think it would probably still be Chase because he can still play quarterback. He has split time between quarterback and tight end before. That was what he did in his high school career. I don't think you'd be getting an especially high-end passer if he had been training at quarterback or not. His greatest trait is his you know size and his physicality and his running, which is why he's at tight end. Um, but if you you know if if that if it comes to that, if worst comes to worst, they do have a couple options. It's just it does feel like they're being maybe a little bit cavalier with it. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's it's a weird strategy. It's definitely weird. I think um, I, I agree with uh, Chase as well. I think he was kind of moved from quarterback to tight end. Um, yes, because that's probably where his strengths are. But also, that was a move that happened, I believe, when Bishop Davenport uh, was still on the roster. And you know, it's it, that's a big difference between the quarterback room. Um, and so, I think that that was that was a decision made when our quarterback room was a lot more full than it is now. I will say if I have the chance, if I have the choice between Tua Tagaloa and Levi, one of them plays tight end and one of them plays quarterback, 
Uh, I'm putting, I'm probably putting Chase at the quarterback, and I'm I'm having Levi run tight end. Honestly, I know that's not exactly what the coaching staff has in mind, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tua Tagaloa pulled back into that quarterback room if you do see um, McKay uh, with with any significant injury, which of course hopefully doesn't happen. But uh, they 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 might have to call back on him because it doesn't seem like they want Levi. It doesn't seem like he's, you know, they're not very high on Levi anymore unless it's that goal line stand. But um, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't uh, – hopefully it's it doesn't matter. But yeah, it, it is weird to see a coach kind of um, – yeah, I mean, you're, you're only good as your backup quarterback, and Blake seems to be uh, very, as you say, cavalier with, with his uh, – basically everybody behind QB1. But yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yep, yep, we will see. Um, so let's talk here. Let's let's get into this into the the mud a little bit here. And I don't think you can really talking about this game. Honestly, talking about this team right now, you can't really start anywhere else other than the first yep, quarter, yep. which is the problem. Is that Utah State can't start somewhere other than the first quarter? You have to play the first Huge quarter before problem. you can play the last three. And Utah State is having a lot of issues with that right now. Would greatly just prefer to not do that, um, which is an issue because you you can't just play 45 minutes. You have to play 60 to win a football game. And Utah State has been, I think, back-to-back weeks has delivered some of the worst first-quarter performances you could possibly really have. Um, the score was larger yeah. last week against Air Force. It was 22 nothing at the end of one. It was 17 nothing at the end of one in this time around. But then James Madison scores a touchdown on the first play of the second quarter. Um, it was, I mean, it was a disaster. They didn't look, <laughs> they didn't, Utah State did not look like it belonged on the same football field as James Madison. James Madison looked like, you know, what I, I had been sort of expecting it would look like at the highest end, which is a team with a ton of legitimate P5 potential NFL in the future level talent on the defensive line in the defensive front um, with an offensive line that was too big for Utah State to really do much with, uh, with a lot of speed, with a lot of talent, with a lot of physicality, and Utah State did not answer any of that. McKay Hillstead was sacked three times. They had Utah State ran nine plays in the first quarter. One of them went for positive yards. They lost 22 yards across those nine plays in total. Um, and James Madison gained almost 200. It was like 193 on 22 plays or something like that. It was a, it was a, it was a disaster. It was Utah state was absolutely not ready to be on the field with James Madison in that first quarter. And this is the third time we've said that this year, you know, this is the same thing that popped up against air force and the same thing that popped up against Iowa. I do wonder if it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point for the team that they're thinking about it too much, but you look at the stats here. And I pulled these for the stat book, and you had some of these last week. I have updated them for another game to include it. Yeah. Uh, Utah State's yeah. been beaten 60-7 to in the first quarter this season and has won the last three 144-76. Um, for Blake Anderson's tenure in Logan, Utah State has lost the first quarter 267-131. to um, And in those games where they were outscored in the first quarter, they're 7-11. and uh, one and nine since 2021. They were six and two in those games in 2021, which is not sustainable as we have seen. Um, when they are tied or lead after the first quarter, they're 11 and two. It is this is the defining issue right now, and it has been for a while. This was a problem last year too, and it continues to be a problem here. Yeah, it's been a problem for a long time. It seems like one of those things that uh, just something that has been haunting Blake Anderson. For as long as he's been here, yeah, he has been able to outrun it until now. It is catching up to him. 
these are the results that you would expect to see after playing a first quarter the way that they do. Um, yeah. Utah State came back and made this interesting. They, they made it very, very interesting. But the truth is Utah State had no business winning this game. No, uh, <laughs> no, no. Emotionally, I, I... I was I was pulling for it, but a win almost masks some of these very, very serious issues that, that you have. Yeah. Um, and like you said, that first quarter, Utah State did not look like they belonged on the same field as JMU. Yeah. Now, the flip side of that is the second half, we ran them out of the building. We outscored them 21 to 7, blanked them in the third quarter. Really, that second quarter, which started in JMU's favor, and then it was when we, you know, we started to pick up. Uh, the second quarter is the only period where we looked like an evenly matched team. Yeah. Um, but the problem, again, like it was last week, you just dug too big a hole in that first quarter. And this is something, like you said, it's not sustainable. Um, the, I think the the only time we've scored in the first quarter was against Idaho state an FCS team. And if you remember, they yeah. went back and scored on the very next drive. There has yeah. been nothing positive about uh, the way we played in the first quarter, but I will say if you want to take a quarter off, that's fine. You play three quarters like you did two, three, and four. You probably don't have to play the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, Thinking back to 2018, <laughs> like you, like you said, hey, you have to play, you have to play 60 minutes to to play to win a football game, and I'm thinking, I, I don't think that's true. Yeah, uh, Jordan Love was like famous for coming out of halftime in sweatpants. Like that dude never played four quarters, yeah. and he was winning games by 50. Um, you just can't do this. I mean, if you want to take a quarter off, fine by me. If you go in, you know, hang 56 on these guys and go into the fourth quarter, you can you know, take your pads off and, and watch the third stringers go, but you absolutely cannot start games like this. It's been an issue. It's been an issue for, uh, we, we keep going back to it. It's been an issue the whole time. It's just finally catching up to these guys. Um, there's, there's not a lot of teams that you can, you can spot 17, 22 points, whatever it is and, and expect to win. Yeah. This, this is proof. You played Blake, Blake mentioned it in the press conference some of the best football I've seen was played in quarters two, three, and four, and it yeah. still wasn't enough. I mean, they Utah State looked like the the better team, especially in the second half, but really midway through the second quarter. But you cannot give the you, – you can't just not even show up in that first quarter. I mean, the, yeah. to call it a disaster as you did it somehow feels like an understatement. It was so – so ugly yeah uh, it did not feel like it was competitive at all and it didn't feel like it was going to be competitive yeah. and so again props props to these guys for fighting back that's <clears throat> awesome but if i'm giving you props for fighting back that means you're behind in the first place so it's really two yeah. sides of the same coin there yeah y you have to figure this out blake knows he has to figure it out the fans know he has to figure it out i, I don't know i don't know what that looks like i don't know what you have to do differently whether yeah. it's like does he does he think it's hockey and like the first quarter is a warm up or is he is he just terrible at pregame speeches like i don't know yeah. what they do yeah, what and what they have to guys? change yeah, <laughs> yeah what what's happening in the locker room are they yeah. not warming up or something like i just don't know what is happening and what needs to change and people keep asking me like i like i know but yeah. all i know is something has to change and it has to change in short order 
Um, UConn, getting ahead of myself here, but UConn's a great chance to do this. UConn is is yeah. UConn. They're a basketball school. Yeah, you have to. You got. You got to figure it out now. Um, yeah, because it, it, you don't want to. You don't want to be figuring this stuff out in conference play where it's a it's a pretty competitive conference. Yeah, it. it, it there, I really don't know what the solution is to this. This is not something that I think you can do like a scheme breakdown for and that's the only real access into the program beyond quotes that you can get right i don't know what happens in that locker room they're not that is not something that anyone who isn't in that locker room or adjacent to it very closely is privy to it is you know i don't i don't understand i don't see these guys every day during the week i'm not working with them in practice i'm not the effort level coming into the game, the the preparedness for the game, I can't really speak to that because I don't know what it looks like. I know that the product is not good. I know that they have not been <laughs> seemingly ready to go in the first quarter. I know that the lines especially are just not playing in the start at the start of the game. They're just not making plays. It's like they didn't stretch. It's, it's just it's it's very strange and it's stuff that I don't think would be fixed schematically necessarily Blake said <clears throat> you know they they want to they want to find a solution for this obviously and they want to put their heads together but they don't want to do something like gimmicky which i think is a, a fair um you know assertion i think that that's an instinct that i understand i would you know you right. don't want to mortgage your game around a first quarter game plan that's very different from the last three quarters just to try and work around something that shouldn't be a problem you should be able to get up and, and ready to go in these games and you know i i think that there is something to be said for like what he has what anderson has said which is that they're not they're just not settling in they're not taking a deep breath early on and that it's a you know they're coming out anxious they're coming out uh maybe even you know maybe they're even too revved up you know and they've built it up too big which is what i was saying about the self-fulfilling prophecy thing right like yeah, yeah. it can't be this big of a deal the first quarter isn't supposed to be the the quarter that you're most worried about the first quarter is just the start you, you've got to be yeah, this is a team yeah. that wants to win in the fourth quarter that should be the quarter that you're preparing for the first quarter is just one that you do you get it out of the way and I think that it has been built up as such a big thing has definitely put the team on edge and it is contingent yeah. on the coaching staff to, you know, find a solution for that and to calm them down and to, to say like, you know, just because we haven't been good in the first quarter does not mean that we won't be good in the first quarter. And it doesn't mean that it needs to like be the only thing on your mind. Um, just go out and play because I, I do think that they are, it seems like they're thinking about it at this point, that they're worried about it, that they are actively, just concerned about what they're doing in the first quarter and, and about not being physical enough. And when you're thinking on the football field, you are not playing football. You're doing something else and you're doing something much worse. You don't want to be thinking. That is not, <laughs> yeah. that is not well, the priority. To an extent, sometimes, sometimes it looks like these guys aren't thinking enough Yeah. Um, with some of the, you know, the penalties that we'll talk about. But yeah. Yeah. You, you, they they got to find a balance there somewhere because you, you can't go from overthinking to not thinking at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you that's... you have to be the the time for thinking is before and after the play. During the play, just <laughs> yeah, go make yeah, a play. Yeah. Just during during the play, go go figure it out. 
and and let your instincts take over. And then after you've made the tackle, don't th- don't do anything stupid. Remember the things yeah. that you aren't when supposed to do. When you hear the do. whistle, yeah, you run, stop playing. Yeah, run yeah, down you the go list to line of, of scrimmage. <laughs> line up. Yeah. Run down the list of things that you uh, will get a you know you will get a, a gold star revoked for if you do this after the game. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, yeah. gonna take the, yeah. they're gonna take the helmet sticker away in the locker room. You can't have that anymore. <laughs> you <laughs> you tackle the yeah. guy five seconds after the whistle. You can't do that. That is not allowed on the football yeah. field. They don't like when you do that. Um, yeah, and, and it, there's there's something to that as well, and it does feel like I think they're just I think they are probably just putting too much into this, and that they need to just go out and play, and and that is I can't make them do that, you know. Like I all I can do is yeah. write about what they're doing, and what they're doing is not playing well in the first quarter, and it, it does makes for sort of a vicious cycle. Um, that's on the coaching staff. That's on the players. You gotta you gotta get fi- you gotta get it figured out, and I think getting it figured out is as simple as just playing you just got to go out and play it's not any different the first quarter is yeah. not any different than the other three quarters it's just football it's the same sport you just got to do it and you know this <clears throat> this program is built to win in the fourth quarter the way that they are designed the speed of the team the pace of the team the tempo that they run their their goal is to wear their opponent down and win it late when the other team is exhausted and they can run past them um, that is the way that that is their solution for the problem that exists in the group of five for almost every single program, which is how do we make up for the gap in talent that we have against our opponents? How do yeah. we, how do we, or, or if it's, you know, in, in Mountain West play or in some of these G5 versus G5 games, how do we better maximize what we have on our roster to find room, to find space where it's relatively even? between teams like Utah State and Wyoming, or in theory, Utah State and James Madison. In practice, James Madison is more talented and, and bigger and stronger and faster than, than Utah State is, and there was a disadvantage to have to make up for. And <clears throat> you saw later in the game Utah State do that. I thought that the third quarter specifically was as close to, as perfectly execute, as perfectly executed the Blake Anderson plan as we have seen in a pretty long time. It has been, I think, oh, since absolutely. since 2021 yeah. that we've seen them really do that to somebody. They kind of did it to Air Force last year, but James Madison was exhausted in that third quarter. They were absolutely exhausted. The defense was making big plays, getting off the field quickly with turnovers, with three and outs. The offense was churning down the field, grinding out yards on the ground, and then on quick change you know, situations, just got a first down. They're throwing, they're throwing down the field, and McKay Hillstead is putting the ball where it needs to be, and the receivers are going to make a play. James Madison was exhausted. It, it was absolutely exhausted, and Utah State staged the comeback because of that. Um, but you can't, you, you, if the first quarter is just fine, you can win games doing that. If, it's, uh, yeah, you know, if yeah. after the first quarter it's 14-7, to 7, you're fine. It's okay. That is not that's not the end of the world. If you were yeah. competitive but you lost the first quarter by a touchdown or a field goal or even 10 points. If you go out there and it's 17-7 after the end of the first quarter and you're about to get the ball back, it's not the end of the world. You can come back from that. It can't be 24 nothing, you know, 9 seconds into the second quarter. It can't be 29 nothing early on into the second quarter. It can't be 14 nothing against a team that's not going to give you very many points in Iowa. You you just if it's just fine, you would be fine. <laughs> it just can't be bad. That's the only yeah, that's yeah. the only requirement yeah. for the first quarter is that it just can't be a collapse. You just have to be competent. Just just keep yourself in the game long enough to wear them down. And and Utah State has not been able to do that. 
And it's clearly possible. I mean, Utah State <laughs> looked competitive with Air Force for most of the game. They looked competitive and better than James Madison, a really, really good group of five team for most of the game. Yeah. Um, but again, that first quarter, like you cannot go, it cannot be 24 to zero early in the, in the second quarter. No. The thing, the other thing that is just baffling to me, it's, Yes, it's on the players. Yes, it's on, it's on everybody. But the thing that I think points mostly to the coaching staff, and in particular Blake Anderson as the head coach, it's it's everybody. It's not one unit that has a hard time getting going. Um, thinking back to last year and the year before, it seemed like sometimes the offense was was kind of puttering to to start the game. They were slow to start, but we could kind of rely on our defense at times. Now, maybe that's just the unbelievable, like the inhuman amount of energy that Ephraim Bonda had in his body. Like he was just, um, maybe that says more about Bonda Um, and and nothing against Joe Cawthon. I haven't seen enough to to dislike him at this point, certainly, but, uh, but, but there's only one Ephraim Bonda. Um, yeah, I, I will say it is, it is weird that, to see. I, I will say yeah, on that yeah, just, go ahead. just real quick. I do like the way that they have the defense set up staff wise right now, because Joe Cawthon is not the energy guy. He'll yell at you. He'll get on you. But their energy guy and their point man during a game is Mitchell White, who is the the secondary coach. He's a younger guy. He is the energy guy. He is the guy who goes out and gives them the, you know, the speech before they're about to go on the field. He is the point man, and Joe is more sort of the the. I don't want to say the brains behind the operation because Mitchell White is a very very smart guy. He's a very impressive coach, and I think he's going to do a lot of really good things in this sport. But Joe really sort of he's x's and o's yeah joe really sort of uses mitchell as the as the tip of the spear while joe sits back and strategizes which i think is a really good approach but uh, regardless yeah yeah, go go ahead with your i just wanted to i wanted to add that so that people know what is going on on the field it's mitchell white who's out there trying to give up the trying to give the energy jumping around with the guys celebrating after a play joe cawthon is not jumping up and chest bumping with anthony switzer he's not i don't think his life it's just he's not his those days are behind him he's been a defensive coordinator for about 30 years he doesn't need to do that anymore and and he does to, to your point he does seem like a great defensive coordinator my point just being it's it's the offense it's the defense it's the special teams it's every single player every single unit yeah comes out flat and i think yeah. when you when you see a problem that that's that widespread there's there's one person that's responsible for that and that's the guy at the top and it is Blake Anderson um it's you know like i said it's not just a slow offense and a good defense to start it's not the special teams making boneheaded plays it's it's everybody that just comes out flat and it's like clockwork the first quarter ends and within a few minutes of the second quarter they're kicking back into gear it's it's weird it's it's very very weird yeah yeah and and i think that something i i will add a i'll I'll do a I'll, i'll try to make a scheme diagnosis here real quick because i have heard blake say this a couple times um i think he maybe should even say it more um, that when they come out with the offensive play calling, which has been criticized a lot, the first quarter offensive play calling, I think deservedly so because it's not really been all that yeah. impressive. Yes. Um, when they come out, they try to do a lot of stuff to get guys into rhythm, right? They're making short throws, they're doing screens, they're trying to do simple stuff to get guys going. Um, do that in warmups. <laughs> do that. Yeah. Do yeah. that in the team period that you do before you go back into the locker room. Run those plays. Get McKay going. Get him ready to go. Get him in rhythm, and then come out firing because they're playing like 
They're playing like they're trying to get in rhythm right now. They're calling plays like they're trying to get in rhythm. You should be in rhythm. You can't, you don't have a quarter to waste getting into rhythm. You need to be in rhythm and you need to be attacking. You are the attacking team. You don't get to be conservative for a quarter. It's not going to work. This team can't. They really are using the first quarter as like a warm up period. This team cannot function as conservative. It doesn't work. They don't have the talent to do that. They don't have the size to do that. You have to come out firing. You have to take shots down the field. And obviously, you need to keep them upright to do that, which has been a, a pretty big issue for them. But the screens, man, defenses are just sitting on it in the first quarter. They are just sitting on it. They know it's coming. You got to change it up. You have to have. You have to roll them out. You know, that was the solution later on in the game was let's roll them to the right, give them some time, give them some space, let them throw the ball down the field. Micah Davis is ready to run. Jalen Royals is ready to run. Terrell Vaughn is always ready to run. Like, give, give those guys some room to go operate down the field and stretch the defense out. Make them respect the deep passing game first before you do anything else. Yeah. You're going to have yeah. to cover us down the field. And if you don't do that, we're going to kill you. We're going to, we're going to put points on the board in a hurry, and then you're going to be on your heels. And if you do cover it, if you do step back, now there's room for screens. Now they're playing off the ball. Now you can run the ball. You can't come out conservative with this team, though, because you don't have the line to do that. You just don't. And I think that this line probably will improve as the season goes on. There are some young guys playing who I have been, I have seen some growth from already. I think Tavo Motuapuaka has been improving. I think that Teague Anderson was was you know honestly not he wasn't bad <laughs> he wasn't like he's a true fre- he's a redshirt freshman he could be just bad and he's not bad he's he's improving he's making steps forward he makes mistakes but he's a redshirt freshman starting at right tackle that's a hard job and he's gonna make mistakes um, but like yeah. use your play to your strength your strength is speed it's never not going to be speed it's never going to be size Falapulealo is. He is a demon in open space. He is a demon in open space. The way that he pulls, the way that he runs as a center is unbelievable. He looks like a tight end when he run, when you get him out in space. Use that. Use that. You don't need to wait until the third quarter to do that. He can run. He's re- he's ready to go. Just it, it it is like they are, you know. He's you know they say they don't want to be gimmicky in the first quarter. I think being conservative for this team is gimmicky. I think it is. Yeah, play that's, your, that's play to your strength. Yeah. Do what you're good at. You're not good at this. It's never going to work. <laughs> you're never going to be good at conservative play. You need to be ready to go. You need to come out firing because when you come out conservative, you are sending a message to the team that you don't need to be aggressive right now. You don't have to be, you know, the only thing that's going to work for these guys is when you get them fired up and ready to go. That is the way that they play. That is the way that they win games. And you can't do that if you're playing conservative. You're sending a message by doing that. Go out firing. Go out ready to go. And, yeah, you know, it's it's absolutely. it's obviously easier said than done, but I, I do think that there's a disservice being done by coming out and playing soft zone, playing not not blitzing early on, not coming out firing, throwing down the field, not rolling out Hillstead until the second, third, fourth quarter, not pulling your guards or your centers until the second, third, and fourth quarter. Come out calling those plays. They work. Just do it. And, and if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. But the the conservative stuff is just a, it's a really easy way to keep your defense on the field for 12 minutes in the first quarter, and it keeps happening. Yeah, and it plays, I think, to their strategy of winning in the fourth quarter, but they're leaning into that way, way too much because, you know, you want to you wanna win in the second half, but you can still play in the first half. Like, you can still play to win in the first half. Uh, and I think playing as conservative as they do, they're doing them, th- themselves a serious, serious disservice because – 
you know, like you say, get in there, play aggressive, take shots downfield. If they're not going to respect the deep ball, you're going to win that first quarter. And then you're just, you're a step ahead of your game plan. Now it's that much easier to win the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, if they do, if they do, you know, defend the deep ball, you can run the ball, you can do whatever you can, you can kind of ease back on things. And and then what, you're going to lose the first quarter. Like that's what you've been yeah. doing anyways. Yeah. But if you Let's can play. at least be competitive, then you're in that much a better position. And I think, I mean, I don't want to play the, we outscored them in the, you know, second, third and fourth quarter, but like, all you do is play a competitive first quarter and we're probably three and one right now. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Um, you are, you, when you come out without and not do that, you are sending a message to the other team that you are, you know, scared that you're trying to set things yeah. up, that you are, that you're yeah. trying to ease into the game. They're not going to let you do that. It's not like James Madison is not just going to sit back and let you get into rhythm. Why would they? They know what's coming. They're yeah, going to jump it. Yeah. They're they're going to blow up that screen in the backfield. They're going to send pressure because they're ready to go. <laughs> they're ready to be aggressive. They know that you're not, and they're going to attack that. And a lot of teams have really set the tone physically and just aggressively in the first quarter against this team. And and you know the team responds, and that is admirable. And I, I think that the the fight of this team is undeniable it's extremely impressive it is miles better than it was last year i think the culture of this team is miles better than last year's um and i i think that that will pay dividends eventually but you're you're taking you're 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 taking your own strength away by doing this by starting the game that the way that they do you got to come out if you want the guys to be aggressive coming out if you want the guys to be playing with their hair on fire coming out Give them the plays to do it. Give them the chance. Yeah. You know, you got you got to trust them to go make plays. And it doesn't feel like Utah State is trying to make plays in the first quarter. It feels like they're just trying to to survive, and that is not the way to do it. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna if you're right. gonna lose the first quarter anyway, go down on your sword. It, it, you know, you throw a pick six. Okay, you're gonna give up that touchdown anyway. <laughs> it's it's yeah, you're yeah. already gonna be down twenty one nothing after after the first quarter. You might as well go down trying instead of not trying. Um, play to that fight. Play, play to that 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 sense of pride that this team seems to have, and yeah. you know, in in what they do. But do it. You, you don't. I don't. I don't know who this is. I don't know who is for. What are you? You're not getting anybody in rhythm by doing this. It's not like oh, the second quarter they're finally starting to find a rhythm. No, they hit big plays. That was the difference. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> by trying to get in rhythm, you're preventing yourself from getting yeah. into rhythm. Their rhythm is never ever going to be screens and conservative runs. It's it's that's part of the offense once the other stuff is working. But the thing that got the yeah. team into the game here was a, a 19 yard touchdown run by a place kicker and a 63 yard pass to Colby Bowman. <laughs> And that was 50 yards in the air. You can't yeah, get into it's, rhythm it's for that. You just need to do it. Plays. There's not. Yeah. <laughs> you just trust your guys. Trust your guy. Trust, trust that McKay Hillstead can make that throw because he can't. He obviously can. His he, deep he balls are on the money pretty much every single time he throws one. Right. And and well, I, I would just add to that too. It gets very easy to game plan for Utah State. If you yeah. if you look at this Aggies, you know, all you have to do is prevent them from getting into rhythm. If every team wants to beat us from here on out, you do what Air Force does and yeah. you just you score first and then you just prevent us from catching tempo. I mean, uh, I, I think the way that we play and the way that we're playing a first quarter right now, I don't know that we beat Air Force if we play them 10 times. Yeah. Because what they do is they are so slow on offense. They're so deliberate on both sides of the ball that it's very hard to get in rhythm. And so if you are already dedicating a fourth of your playing time 
15 minutes of a 60 minute game to trying to get in rhythm like oh well maybe this will work maybe that will work uh, you know teams like air force will beat you every time so if you're any of the remaining teams on your schedule on, on utah state schedule just if you can control the tempo and if you can prevent us from getting in rhythm things look really really good for you yeah um, because i don't think that was necessarily part of james madison's game plan it's something they do naturally just because they're that good yeah um but if james madison would have played a more air force style game and just really emphasize preventing us from getting into rhythm it could have been a lot uglier, honestly. And I mean, it clearly wasn't an ugly game, but that first quarter was bad. But yeah, um, it, it's a huge weakness and it's it's going to get easy to game plan for if you don't figure it out. Yeah. And, and then there are things like I think a, a really good way to 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 understand this is to talk about the way that Utah State started the second half of this game. So down 38-17, kicked a field goal just before halftime, found some success in that second quarter, as we said. Um Utah State comes out of the half, has the ball first, and you see the play calls here. It was trying to get into rhythm, right? It's it's you know six yard run, two yard run, four yard completion, three yard run, six yard pass or, or six yard completion, three yard run, um, and then you have thirteen yard pass, zero yard run, incomplete, eighteen yard pass, twenty yard pass. You find that rhythm. You can get you can get those balls down the field later on in the drive. You can find that success. You can bring the defense back in and then hit them down the field, right? The reason that Utah State could do that in the second half to start the second half is not because it started that drive that way. It's not because it ran the ball in the first two plays and kept things pretty simple on those on those early downs and, and just tried to get some yardage. It's because if you go back to the second quarter, you see a 63-yard completion to Colby Bowman. <laughs> you, you see... Those passes down the field that backed the defense up. The defense isn't going to come into the game backed up. They don't need to do that. There's not a reason to do that. You need to back them up first if you want to run the ball. It's that's just that's just the way that it is. That's the truth of the matter for the team is you need to give them a reason to respect you. You have to show them, hey, we're going to throw the ball down the field. We're going to throw the ball down the field and we're going to dare you to stop it. We're going to go trust our guys to go win one-on-ones and we think they can do it. And even if they don't do it, even if it doesn't work, you have still backed them up. You've still given them something to think about. You've put a second safety in the deep half of the field. You, that's all you need. That's, that's, that's the way that this team gets into rhythm is by backing the defense up and showing it multiple things to respect. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Uh, it's – yeah, absolutely. <coughs> so where do you want to go next here? Um. So there's a few other things I want to talk about in this game. I think the biggest one that I'm still seeing that we haven't really mentioned at all is Devon Booth. Yeah. Uh, he ran 21 carries for 103 yards. That I did not have that on my bingo card. I will be honest. That was a really, really, really good performance against a really, really good defense uh, who specializes in stopping the run. I was very impressed with, with Devon Booth. Uh, I, I did not expect a hundred yard game yeah. uh, from him or anybody. Um, let's, let, let's, let's give him his, uh, his proper uh, praise for a minute, because that was, that was very impressive. I also note uh, Robert Briggs had two carries for six yards and Roswell Faison only had one carry, did not get anywhere uh, yeah. negative three yards. So it was, it was definitely Devon Booth's game. Um, sounded like it was mo- by design. It kind of 
Blake mentioned it in, in the press conference. When somebody has a hot hand, why don't take the ball away from them. Um, and it's, it's hard to get a hot hand against these Dukes on the ground. So uh, Devon Booth, unbelievable performance. Yeah, he was awesome. And, and Briggs is dinged up, and I think that, that was part of it. Um, yeah. Faison struggles in pass protection, which I think was another part of it. Um, and, and so you, you see some of that stuff. And I, I think that Booth, Booth played extremely well for the circumstances. Um, and, uh, you know, had really the best game that any running back has had against this defense all season. And there have been yeah. some really good running backs who have played against these guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he absolutely deserves this praise. I think Utah State's line deserves praise for getting it figured out in the second quarter, second half in general, and being able to protect for him. Um, he is, he's good. He's very, very good. Yeah, he, he was very good. And, and, and even just for reference, the second he so he has 103 yards. The second oh. leading rusher on the team is Elliot Nimrod with 18 yards, which all came on one one play that we we kind of mentioned that fake yeah uh, that fake kick. But um, I mean that just goes to show we do have a really good we have good running backs. Briggs is is dinged up and and Faison. This isn't his uh, this isn't a Razul Faison game necessarily. No. He he does better against different defenses, but um, but, but Booth. It's a, it was a tall, tall ask, and I don't know that we get back into this game without Devon Booth. We we yeah. know what McKay Hillstead can do for the most part. Um, I will say he he did overachieve. Uh, he threw for almost 400 yards, but yeah, um, he said he set a we, true freshman record at Utah State. That is against this defense. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. That is hard to do. Very very impressive. We we <laughs> thought coming into this game we were going to be able to throw the ball around a little bit. Um, but we did not think we were going to run the ball at all. So yeah. I, I don't know that we get back into this without Devon Booth. Um, but yeah, we, we can move. Do you want to talk about uh, a little bit more with uh, McKay Hillstead? Yeah. Um, yeah. He, that, that was where I was going to go next. Um, yeah. Boy, they, they have uh, 99 yards. They, they, or sorry. Uh, um, I, let, let me go. Yeah, go um, ahead. I'll just read his line real quick. I, I have 25 of 47, 399 yards, eight and a half. Averaging averaging eight and a half yards a throw against this defense, yeah, very impressive. Four touchdowns. Um, I it's listed as three interceptions, but I only saw two, and I only see two so, play by. So what happened was it was three. He got picked off on a screen pass early in the or, or somewhere in the third quarter, um, oh, and then yeah. Cole Moach took the ball back, uh, just just ripped That's it away, right. which which also chalks up an extra turnover for the defense. The defense forced tur- four turnovers. Cole Motes had one, um, and uh, so it was it was a moot point. He just took the interception right back. But there was a there was a third. I don't think it was really McKay's fault. The safety, as Blake said in the press conference, kind of came out of nowhere, um, and yeah. uh, and made yeah, a really I good play. That. And then Cole Motes made an even better play. But uh, yeah, he he did have three. It was just that one of them didn't actually turn the ball over. Um, that one was fun because that ended up being a first down because it was a change of possession. So yeah. that was just about the ugliest first down I've ever seen a kid throw. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then the, the two interceptions that we'll talk about here in, in a second that were late in the game. Uh, yeah, so four touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, but yeah, nearly 400 yards as a true freshman. Where do you want to go on this kid? I mean, this, this dude is, uh, he's for real. He is, yeah. he's legit. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll start with the with the interceptions. I'll start with the bad and get it out of the way, and then move to the okay, good. I think it. there's a lot more good than there is bad. Um, yeah, very much the so. the red zone one, you can't have it. You just can't have it. It was a bad decision. He he was yeah. throwing against his body on the run. 
Um, he'd been pressured out of the pocket. Brock Lane was coming open. If 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 I think if McKay was set and throwing from the pocket and put the ball further in front, it would have been a touchdown. I will also say Jalen Royals was wide open. He was wide open. He was running across or a, a dig to the backside um, from the backside, and the corner did not stick with him. There was no safety help over the top. All the safeties were over the top of Brock Lane and over the top of the uh, the strength in the formation, which was trips I think to the field. Jalen Royals was wide open, and if Utah State keeps that pocket clean, I think it's six points, which is you know frustrating for Utah State, and I'm sure frustrating for McKay because I think if he yeah. had seen Jalen, it would have been a touchdown. But the decision that that you just can't make it, you just can't throw that ball. You got to throw the ball away and, and live to play another down because it was not, it was Ill, it was ill advised. It was trying to make something out of nothing. It was trying to trying to push too much and and make a play. You had time. You got to settle in and, and and let the game come to you. You can't be. It was not fourth down. You know you you don't need to. Yep. You don't need to do that. Live to play another down. Live to get another look at it. They had been pretty good, I think, in the red zone in general before that. Um, you just can't. You can't do that. You can't force the ball. And I think it's something that he'll learn from. The second one, the one that ended yeah. the game. Uh, it's hard to put on McKay too much because yep. it it was yep. in. It was in Colby Bowman's hands, and I don't really even I don't really know that there's a ton of people I would blame for the play. I think it was a good defensive play. It was in his hands, gets jarred loose by a helmet as he is basically as he's catching it, and then lands with a, a JMU defender. Just one of those one of those plays, right? One of those freak plays, and the the thing the thing that I would blame more than anything for it is that Utah State's margins were so thin that it was in that situation. It, you you just the yeah, you, yeah. things like that happen in football sometimes. It's a it's a pointed ball and a whole bunch of 18 to 23-year-olds. Weird things are going to happen. It's going to bounce <laughs> in a weird way. You don't want to put yourself in that situation. And obviously, sometimes you need a game-winning drive. You need to drive down and make it happen, and Utah State couldn't do it. But uh, the, the, the biggest thing, the biggest issue that, that he had, the biggest mistake he made was the red zone interception. I think other than that, he was generally you know, on, on point. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That red zone interception, there's... Uh, there's no excuse for it. I do, you know, I get frustrated with that play. And then I remember that he's a true freshman and my, my frustration kind of melts away because that is just a play that true freshmen make. Um, Now he doesn't, he doesn't look like a true freshman. He doesn't play like a true freshman. Um, But, but yeah, it's, it's worth, it's worth mentioning that you you don't throw across your body in the red zone. Um, You mentioned Jalen Royals was wide open. It was also not fourth down you throw it away, you, you, he, the pocket was completely collapsed at the time he was scrambling. So it's yeah. worth mentioning, like the offensive line wasn't, uh, wasn't bailing him out, but you, you just can't have that. And that's, that's one that he's, he's not going to do that one again. You know, he's, he's yeah. going to learn from that. That's going to be a rare mistake. Then the Colby Bowman one was just one of those. Yeah. Things. I mean, yep. Th- those happen. And so, you know, two of those interceptions, just things happen. Good defenses will, will pick you off that safety that, Came out of nowhere. That's what a good safety does. Yeah, they got three. That's of them. gonna happen. They, they got they and... got three or four really good safeties on that team, and yeah. sometimes those guys are gonna make plays. You know, you talk. You you can, the the example I would give is that not every throw that Ike Larson has picked off has been a bad throw. Sometimes it's just that the defensive yep. player is good and makes a play. Yep. Yep. Sometimes, um, yeah. Sometimes that's happening. And again, like we we've seen we we've been on the good end of that so we have to understand like sometimes that just happens yep that's that's football it's it the ball was pointed and it makes weird it does weird things sometimes um as for the good with mckay hillstead 
There's a, a lot. lot. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good. He was, uh, let me get the exact number that I pulled here for the stat book. Um, in the last, and again, you can't take away the first quarter. The first quarter counts all the same. But in the last 44 <laughs> yeah. minutes and 51 seconds of this game, Hillstead was 23 of 43 passing for 403 yards and four touchdowns with only two sacks. Um, he. Oh my goodness, that's so good. He made some throws in this game that were, I mean, it is just, it is unbelievable that he is a true freshman making some of these throws. And I, I tweeted a bunch of them out, a bunch of them out from the Agship uh, Twitter account. But yeah, it's, it's worth going if, if you haven't seen those. It's worth going. Yeah. For. Yeah, and finding that thread. It's, there's and there's a little bit of beautiful. everything. There's a little bit of everything in there, which is yeah. I think the thing that's most impressive to me is you have some go routes. You have him hitting Colby Bowman and uh, Micah Davis on separate plays, perfectly in stride. Throw could not have been in a better place. Put it right in the front pocket, and they score from it. Um, throwing you know forty, fifty yards down the field in the air. He has the arm to do that. Um, so you have those, you have a sort of a slant and go that he hit to Jalen Royals that I think he set up on the play on a, on a, you know, earlier drive where he does hit a post to, to Royals and, and tucks it in there. And then on the very next play, he does the same thing, makes the same throw basically to Terrell Vaughn past double coverage. Um, just perfect, perfect placement, completely perfect. No fear at all throwing across the middle of the field. Um, that has been the best part of the field for him so far is, is the middle, which is really impressive for a young guy that he has the confidence to do that. Um, you have throws on the run where he gets, he gets an inordinate amount of zip on the ball for where he is on the field and for what his body is doing. The athleticism to do that is extremely impressive. Um, and then you get the, the, I think some of the stuff, the, the stuff that I like most from him, the stuff that I think can translate the best moving forward, because those deep throws are great. And those, you know, the hitting a guy who is coming open is great and throwing with that, that anticipation when they're even with their defender and trusting them to go make a play. That's all great. Um, the thing that I, I think my favorite throw that he made of the game was a six yard touchdown completion to Terrell Vaughn. Um, and this is one of the ones that I posted. I think this was in the second or third quarter yeah I think it was the third quarter it was it was one of the first touchdowns in the third quarter um and the the level of trust that he puts in Terrell Vaughn to just go make a play and the timing that he throws it with and the the way that he's reading the defense the way that it works is that that Vaughn they're they're running out a bunch um and Vaughn is sort of hidden on a on a slant and the idea is that he is going to have sort of a delayed release and then if he is going to be open, you can see it before he cuts and you throw it before he cuts and then he cuts right into the ball. Um, and the key for Hillstead is to watch the outside cornerback. And as soon as that outside cornerback turns and, and, and is standing, if he is standing adjacent to the to the uh, the end zone line, if he's facing vertically, you know, if his shoulders are turned to the sideline, you throw the ball. As soon as he makes that step, as soon as he rotates those hips, as soon as he starts to show that he's dropping into a zone, you throw the ball. And you can see the timing in the play if you watch it in, you know, just just, just pause it and slowly, like, uh, scrub through. You can see the exact moment that Hillstead sees that foot just start to drop, and he throws the ball. Um, that 
is really, really, really hard to do. I know that the throw doesn't look like much because it's a six-yard completion and Vaughn was open. The reason that Vaughn was open is because Hillstead trusted what he has learned, trusted what he saw, and believed fully that if he threw the ball where it was supposed to go, Vaughn would go and get it. Vaughn was not looking at him when when McKay threw that ball. Vaughn has other stuff going on. He's, you know, Terrell Vaughn is doing something else on that play and then running into the ball, which is the way that it's designed. You can't wait for him to be open. You have to throw him open. You have to throw it when he, when you know he will be there rather than seeing him come open and then throw it your key as the quarterback is not always the receiver. It's very rarely the receiver. Your key is to see what the defender is doing and then take advantage of it. And McKay is so good at that as a true freshman that he, you know, he sees a defender cross his feet trying to co- trying to, uh, to to change direction, go across the middle. He throws the ball. He sees a defender take a false step and, and uh, you know, take himself out of position. He throws the ball. He sees a receiver come even with the, with the cornerback in single coverage. He throws the ball. You need to trust your receivers to do that. You need to trust your scheme to do that. And when you do, if you have receivers like this, which he does, these are very good receivers. I think this is a firmly good receiving core. They'll go make a play. And that is... The, the best thing you can say about a quarterback is that he trusts his guys to go make a play and he puts the ball in the right place for him to do it. I could not be more impressed with him. I absolutely, the, the level of development, the level of mechanical ability, the technical skill that he has, the intelligence that he has in, in how he reads a defense, he is an extremely impressive young quarterback. I think that he has just a, a tremendously bright future in front of him and, and honestly a bright current. He, he is... He is a guy. He is a capital G guy. He's very, very good already. Yeah, I mean, you you called out a couple of those throws. He he had a bunch of you know, throws that were okay and fine. He had a, he had a lot of throws that were good to really good, and then he had like six or seven throws that I saw that were they were like perfect. Yeah, like there there was not a single thing that he could have done better. Yeah, um, out of a true freshman that got his first career start. You mentioned one of them. The other one that like, I think my personal favorite, I think it was uh, that, that touchdown pass to Micah Davis where the ball was just in the air forever. Yeah. Um, when he releases that ball, Micah Davis is nowhere close to open, nowhere close to where he's going to be catching that ball. Yeah. But I mean, what you just described is, is just, he, he trusts his guys. He trusts the scheme. He knows he knows what is going to happen, and he just puts the ball up. Uh, Mike Davis makes the play. He, he had a few of those that were just perfect. Some of them went for touchdowns. Some of them didn't, but he had a couple throws that were absolutely perfect, uh, yeah. and he's he's going to have a, a few more of those throughout his career. He's, he's, he's a guy. He's a guy. Yeah, and, and when you do that, you are able to build a much better connection with your receivers. You are able to build a much better bond with your receivers. They will want to go make plays for you. Receiver, There is nothing that you can do to endear yourself to a receiver more as a quarterback than showing that you trust them, showing that you trust them with the throws that you make, showing that you believe they're going to go get the ball. He has done it a lot in two games he has done a lot of those throws where a guy is not open when he throws the ball and he believes fully that if he puts the ball in the right place which he always does <laughs> his his placement is tr- is just tremendous um 
when he has the time to throw the ball and he can put it in the right place, he believes that his receivers will go get it, and they do. And that is, that's the key to this offense. It can't be that you're throwing to somebody who's open. You're throwing to grass. You're throwing to a place that's open and trusting that your receivers are talented enough to go there and get there and make a play. And these guys are. And that is the key to unlocking this offense is is trust. It is faith in, in what you do, faith in your ability to throw the ball to the right spot. He is, there is not an ounce of doubt in that kid, not an ounce. And, and, you know, I think that he, his, his size is such that people will, will, uh, and, and have already overlooked him. He was overlooked coming out of high school. Um, it is not, it does not limit his ability to throw the football at all. He can make pretty much any throw you possibly could ask him to make. He's making throws from the, from the far hash to the sideline. He's making throws 50 yards down the field. He's making throws on the run, putting it on a dot with a bullet right up, you know, throwing up top to a, to a taller receiver, putting it where only he can get it off of his back foot. This kid has, I mean, he has NFL-level talent. He does. He just does. He is an NFL-level passer. And I don't know if he's going to get there because he's five foot ten. but the, the throws that he is making as a true freshman, it is, it is hard to believe that and I say this as a compliment to McKay and also as a uh, you know an understanding of the situation that Utah State is in as a recruiting entity. It is astonishing that a kid with this level of talent is at Utah State. It just is. It just is. This is a rare level of of you know of quarterback talent of quarterback play for a school like this to have. Utah State has had it before with Jordan Love. Um, that is what they're dealing with here. And I think that Blake Anderson is, is has, has seen that more than enough, and that's why McKay is the starter, is that you don't waste any time you get with this sort of guy. You build around him. Players will want to play with him. Receivers will want to play with him. Utah State picked up a receiver commitment this weekend. Um, yeah. That is something you can sell when you're going into yep. the transfer portal to try and find a replacement this offseason for Terrell Vaughn. That is something you can sell as... Hey, uh, you know, former five-star who was at a P5 school and, and didn't really find, you know, a ton of success but has a bunch of talent. Do you want to come play with this quarterback who's going to trust you? <laughs> you want to come show your yeah, speed in yeah. this wide-open offense and, and run 50 yeah. yards down the field and, you know, set school records for receptions and yards and touchdowns and all that stuff? That yeah. is how you, you want do it. a whole it. bunch of touchdowns and more yards than you can count? Yeah. Get over here. Yeah. yeah. Come on over. Yeah, that is that's how you do it. People want to play with this sort of quarterback. They just do. And, and uh, yeah, I really... I really can't say enough positive about McKay. He is uh, he is just a delight to watch play football. I'm very very excited to see what he does this season and and beyond. Yeah, he's got it all. Uh, and I think him earning that starting job, I think it does say more about him than it does about Cooper. Yeah. Uh, and and I think and that's one thing I wish Blake would be more clear about like instead of going in and and you know a week after you benched the guy keep talking about how Cooper was fidgety in the pocket. Like, yeah. like we said, I don't care. Talk up your I, freshman. I don't care. Talk about this guy that is, is a generational talent is just, yeah, he has it all. I mean, he, I, he's five ten, and that's the only thing anybody can say about him. And yeah. and I do have concerns about his size just because of the, the, uh, uh, not, not in the performance aspect, but the nature of the keeping game, him upright and yeah. the nature of the game. Um, but other than that, I don't have concerns. I don't have bad things to say about this guy. Uh, he he is he's just that good. I mean, he's a freshman courting. He, he's a starting freshman quarterback, not out of necessity, but out of out of just pure uh, uh, merit. Yeah, and I I would I I agree fully with. I would love to see Blake play that up more. Talk about this guy and what he has what he's doing, 
and, you know, not just in comparison to what the last guy was doing, but in comparison to what quarterbacks are supposed to do. He's making plays yeah. well beyond his grade level. He is, he, his understanding of the sport, his ability within the sport is well beyond his age. He, he is, he is somebody who Utah State should be putting the, the full court press on in, in promoting. And I know you don't want him to get a big head. You don't want him to get a big ego. But with this guy, from what I have learned about him as a as a person, as a leader, as as a just as a guy, I don't think it's a big concern. I, I think that I, I if I'm going to be honest, I don't think McKay Hillstead's on his phone very often. I don't think he cares all that much about what people are saying yeah. about him. You know, I, it's the the concern for him is is winning football games and going out and making plays. I think he is that kind of guy who is just he's ultra competitive. He is wired to to do this, I really don't think it would be an issue if you go out and say, hey, look at how good this freshman quarterback is. Look at the throws that he's making. Blake Anderson yeah. knows about quarterback play. He knows what he's seeing here. It would be it would be nice to see that promoted a little bit more. And, you know, he's got mistakes he's going to have to learn totally. from. Yeah, totally. But this was more than just a gutsy performance, right, which is, which is what Blake Anderson said. This was... A, a true freshman, 18- or 19-year-old quarterback going out and doing something to a very good defense that nobody else has done. It, he is He's tremendous. He is absolutely tremendous. You can build an entire offense around him uh, without any issue, and I think Utah State is doing that. Um, he's wonderful. He's a wonderful, wonderful player to watch. Yeah, I mean, he is a true freshman, and like when in doubt, it's 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 a good rule of thumb to have a true freshman do less media than more generally yeah. just because true freshmen are true freshmen. They're yeah. 18 years old. Um, Let other people but, do it for but him. That doesn't mean, <laughs> yeah. That doesn't mean you have to put him on the mic. Like we can, you know, Blake Anderson be, can be talking about this guy. And I do think he carries himself well and would be, would be totally fine, you know, in a press conference and, and he'll have to do it at some point. I'll say he <laughs> will have to do it at some point. It's, it's coming. Um, but it, it also wouldn't be the worst thing to talk this guy up. Well, you know, fine. He's in the locker room after a game. Blake yeah. can still talk him up, and I don't know that he's done that uh, to the extent. Maybe he is just being uh, being careful with with some of the other things. But this guy's that good. Yeah, he, he is that good. He's everything we were promised and more. Yep. All right. My last thing on this game, I do want to talk about the defense a little bit and what yep, it did yeah. in the second half specifically. The first half was not good. I really don't know if there's a ton to talk about from that first half. It wasn't good. It was just, <laughs> no, it was not it good. They weren't, uh, they, they weren't quick enough to, to stop stuff. They were not making plays. They were not on their front foot. They were not playing aggressively in the second half. And this is what I'm going to write about this week for the film review. Um, Utah State did something very interesting schematically, formationally, personnel-wise that I think was out of necessity, obviously was out of necessity because Bronson Olivao has been out, in and out of the lineup. He's dinged up. MJ Tafisi left the game in the first half with an injury. We don't really know his status. Um, and Utah State put Anthony Switzer in and has, I guess, switched him to this position. He's, the, he's a linebacker now. He's a will linebacker. It is not a hybrid thing. He's the linebacker. He was playing in there with Cole Joyce. He was playing in the box. He made mistakes in that role. He also made some of the good plays. He's learning it for the first time. He's playing there for the first time. Um, I think that he will benefit from it in the long run. I think his skill set is well suited to that spot. But right now, he's a safety playing linebacker. He he's he said it in the press cut. He's had about four hours of work at this position. He's a safety playing linebacker, which means for all intents and purposes, Utah State ran a dime look for pretty much the entire second half. And guess what? It worked. It worked really well. 
it worked really, really, really well. James Madison could not throw the ball for pretty much the entire second half. They had that 73-yard touchdown, and that was about it. And I, the, the, the point that I want to make here and that I'm going to make in the film review is about complementary football, is about playing with an identity that extends to both sides of the ball, about a defense that sets up an offense and an offense that sets up a defense, and playing to your strengths. We've talked about this with the first quarter ad nauseum. I will extend it to the rest of the game and to the rest of the season. If your identity, which Utah State's is, is speed, is having athletes, is playing in space, is all this stuff, the dime look on defense should be your base package. It should be the number one thing that you are doing. The best thing this defense has is six defensive backs who are really good. Anthony Switzer, Jaden Francois, Devin Dye, Simeon Harris, Mike Wanyanwu, Ike Larson, J.D. Drew, Avante Dickerson, all of these guys can play, and they should all be on the field as much as possible because that is the best thing that this team can do. Get those guys on the field. Get Devin Dye on the field. Devin Dye was amazing in this game. He was, yes, he, he, was. He, he ended a couple possessions on his own. Just, just straight yes. up, he was the only guy out there making plays, and he was all over the field. It seems like he's healthy and ready to go. He was dinged up. Um, near the near the the I think late second quarter or third quarter of this game, I think it was the second quarter. Um, but he was tremendous, and he's got to be on the field. He has got to be on the field. You have to find ways to get him out there. And if it means Switzer's playing linebacker, yeah. it's fine because you're not going to win with size anyway. Switzer and Tafisi at linebacker, you're totally fine against the run. Those guys can handle themselves. I know that they're not the biggest dudes in the world. Tafisi is a big linebacker. Um, And I I know that it doesn't look like a defense that can stop the run, just on weight class, on, on size, on all of that stuff. But the way that this secondary tackles, the way that Devin Dye tackles... I would love to see Javar Strong out there as well. I, I didn't mention him. He's good as well. You can play him too. Um, the way that Jaden Francois tackles, that Switzer tackles, Die tackles, um, Simeon Harris has done this at times. Ike Larson has done this at times. Ike Larson, I thought, had a pretty good game tackling um, and made a, a really ridiculous play forcing that fumble in the fourth quarter where he just got run over and still managed to knock the ball out of the uh, the running back's hands. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he did that on purpose. I'm sure he would say he did, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't matter. He, he, he did it. It worked all the same. Um, those guys can hit. Those guys can make plays, and they can overwhelm an offense, not with size, which Utah State can't do. Utah State does not have the bodies physically to do that, but with speed. If you've got Halle up front, if you've got Sir Melz, who I thought was awesome, if you've got Clifton Mosley, if you've got Sini Tuiaki, who I also thought played really well, Paul Fitzgerald, John Ward, Kyan Sloan, you have guys on the defensive line who can make some plays, who can add some heft, especially those transfers, you know, Mosley and, and Melz, I think are, they need to be really, really big parts of this defensive line moving forward because the size that they have cannot be replicated elsewhere on this team. If you have that up front, just surround them with speed. Put guys behind them who can run, who can track the ball, who can make plays going to the sidelines because tackling is not an issue for the secondary right now as long as they're not playing the triple option, which they're not going to do again. Um, They won't do that again. Feature it. If that's your strength, then play to it. You don't need to to gesture towards a 4-3. You don't need to gesture towards a 4-2-5. Play the dime. It worked. It worked really, really well. Just do that. More of what works, please, on both sides of the ball. More of what works. Yeah, and I know that it's not going to look how some people want it to look, right? I know that that there is a, there is always, in in every fan base, there's a contingent that wants to see a 4-3 to stop the run because (laughs) that's what 
football is, right? That's that's the that's the traditional idea of how you stop the run. You can stop the run in a lot of ways, and if you have safeties and corners who tackle like this, you can stop it with six defensive backs on the field and also make yourself a lot harder to pass against. That is the approach Utah State Utah State should take. If they want to blitz, if they want to do all that stuff, do it from the dime. It works better. It just does. <laughs> it is it is playing to the strength of the team, and I, I think that it is... I think they found something there in that second half, and I, I think they're going to try and build on that moving forward because that is absolutely more congruent with what they have on this roster than anything else they could be doing on defense. Right, and and you know you mentioned specifically what what kind of uh, kicked all this off was was Anthony Switzer's position, you know, his positioning kind of changed everything to the dime or, or the modified dime, whatever you want to call what they're running right now. Yeah. Um, it not only worked for the team, it worked very well for Anthony Switzer, who had a great game and was able to grab an interception. Uh, I mean, his this is the, the defense we could talk about for for a lot longer than than we're going to be able to, just because they did play really really well. But um, I did I did, another thing I didn't have on my bingo card was an Anthony Switzer toe drag to keep a ball in play. Um, on an interception like that was that was yeah oh and uh, and, and pre- like... pressure there from Blaine Spires who's another guy I should mention on the defensive line who can add some sp- some size and some physicality that guy looks really yeah. good I'd like to see more it of him as well great pressure Anthony Switzer making like a, a wide receiver a high level wide receiver move to, to keep that ball in um, just an overall great play and really the defense that the same could be said the, the whole second half um you mentioned Ike Larson had a great game, 10 tackles, five of them solo, one one for loss. Uh, he also did force that fumble late in the game. And the one thing that I was really impressed with was that defense late in the game. It was just like, you need the ball back? All yep. right, here you go. Like yep. they, they were able to force turnovers one way or another when we needed it most. Unfortunately, we weren't able to capitalize. It was too little too late. But, um, but yeah, just able to knock the ball out snatch it out of the air whatever we needed um that defense was was everything we needed and more late in that game it just uh you know going back to the number one thing we've talked about you just can't wait till the second quarter to start yep um you play four quarters of defense like that um it's not gonna be fun to play against these guys because where do you go how do you how do you throw the ball against that secondary um it's there's not a great solution and James Madison didn't find one. And that is a team that is equipped to find solutions. <laughs> they've yep. done it. They've yeah. done it against better defenses than this one. Um, yeah. Play to it. Play to, play to that aggression. You want to force turnovers, get guys out there who can force turnovers, get, get the guys yep. out there who can make those plays. Devin Dye can make those plays. Switzer can make those plays. Avante Dickerson, I thought was awesome in, in relief. When JD drew got hurt in the first half, he came back into the game later on. Um, play them, play them. Yeah. <laughs> you can just do it. It doesn't have to look any specific way as long as it works. People people will like it if it works. Yeah, um, people like winning more than they like four three yeah. defenses. Yeah. For the most part. There's a small group of people <laughs> that maybe feel the other way around, but for the most part, people like winning more. Yeah. Um and, and that defense, yeah, there there was the one uh, broken coverage play there in the second half that went for like seventy plus yards. Yeah, it just they could have and, been uglier. And it's hard, it's, it's hard to blame perfect, them, but it's still it, it's hard to yeah, blame them because they were on the field a ton in the fourth quarter. They kept yeah. being asked to make plays, and eventually it is going to break. If you give up one touchdown in a in a half, you should that should be enough. <laughs> that should be yeah. that should be plenty. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you want to blitz, if you want to force turnovers, if you want to do all this stuff, put the guys on the field who can do it best. Uh, that, that's yeah. I, that's really the last, 
I think that that's the, the overriding thing I have from this. That would be the adjustment I would recommend. They're not listening to me for good reason. I'm here doing a podcast <laughs> and not coaching a football team. But yeah. that is that is what I have seen from this team is at their when they are at their best, it is because they have their best players on the field and they're playing to them. You can't make this team something that it isn't. So do what it is. Do what this team is. Play play to what they are good at. And what they're good at is that it's that speed. It's it's they're built the way a Blake Anderson team is supposed to be built. Just do it. <laughs> just do just do do what you want to do. Do what you do how you think a football team should look. You've built the roster for it. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely starting to come together. The theme of this game, especially, but the whole season has been uh, tough losses, but plenty to look forward to. This does feel like they are finding out who they are. And, and like you said, just do it. Like Blake has built this roster. He knows what it can do. He knows what it's supposed to do. Now just go do it, do it yep. for four quarters and, and, and do it. Um, there's a lot of things that work on both sides of the ball. We just got to get out of our own way and, and get after it because yep. the, the, the high, the, the ceiling of this team is very, very high. They, they played at times like a mountain West championship team if they will let themselves do that, I don't think that's impossible. Uh, they have things that work. They just got to go do it. Yep. Come out come out against UConn firing. Come out throwing the ball down the field to Micah Davis, to Jalen Royals, to Kobe Bowman, to Terrell Vaughn. Come out on defense blitzing with six defensive backs on the field. Make them beat you. Make them beat you, not somebody else, not some, some other team that starts the game slow with, with you know, two or three linebackers on the field and, and with right. screens and all that stuff. Play what Utah, play Utah State football. You don't need to play UConn yep. football. You don't need to play James Madison football. They're better at it than you are because that's the way that they play. That's Just be you. Just be, be yeah. the team that you are instead of the team that somebody else is. I, that's, that's, yeah, that is my overriding thought from these first four games and I think is going to be the key moving forward this season is just playing – Utah State football. It's fine. Utah State football can work. It has worked. It worked in the last three quarters of this game, in the last three quarters of Air Force, in the last three quarters of Iowa. Those are good teams. Those are really good teams. Just yeah. Just do it. Be confident in what you it's, do. It, it's, it's it's the theme. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the theme. And and I would say there's there's two ways you can emphasize that sentence. You say make them beat you. Make make them beat you. You know, you play as yourself and make them beat you, but also don't beat yourself. Make them make make the guys on the other side of the field beat you. Yeah. Don't beat yourself. And that's th- those are the two things that, that Utah State has struggled to do. Um, but just they got to come out strong and make the opponent beat them. Because yeah. if they do that, if they force other teams to beat Utah State, Utah State's going to win a lot, and they're going to have a really fun time doing it because they. Yeah. They're not beatable uh, by a lot of teams when they're playing their best and when they're not beating themselves and when they're playing as themselves. They yep. they are they are good. Yep. Trust your guys. I know they're young. I know they're inexperienced. Like I, I know you got sixty new faces in there. Trust them. They've they have earned yep. some trust. They have shown the fight. They've shown the effort. Put them in the best position to succeed, and, and that's that's what I would like to. That's what I'd like to see, and, and honestly, I think what I'd like to end on for this recap. Um, you want to roll through the Mountain West here real quick. Yeah, let's let's run through some of these games. Um, we had Boise State beating San Diego State. That was the game that we had talked about a lot. Uh, uh-huh. Did definitely the most coming into this week. Boise State uh, does get it done at San Diego State. Uh, moving on from that one, we have Air Force beating San Jose State, starting to look like one of the top teams in the conference. Air Force is undefeated, two and zero in the conference now. 
Wyoming beats App State 22 to 19. Yeah. Colorado State beats Middle Tennessee 31 to 23 uh, 23. UNLV beats UTEP 45 to 28. New Mexico gets it done against the UMass Minutemen. They sneak by 34 to 31. Fresno State uh, <laughs> does not let off the gas. They beat Kent State 53 to 10. Uh, Hawaii gets it done against New Mexico State 20 to 7. And then Texas State beats Nevada. Nevada just unable to, to get anything going. Um, loses that game 35 to 24. Yep. Um, are there any of those that you that you want to talk about? We've talked about the Boise State San Diego State game enough that I think people know what that means for yeah. at least the losing program. Um, were there any others that you that you wanted to to talk about? Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll pick through a couple thoughts here real quick um, on the Boise okay. State San Diego State one. These teams just don't look like they know what they want to be. They don't. They're not no, especially no. well coached. I would, I was not really impressed with either side here. I think Ashton Ginty is is awesome, and Boise State has a, has a real you know a big time player with him. But it just I, you don't really see an identity on either sideline here. Um, Air Force just ended the, just shut the game down pretty much in the second half. It it had been close for a long time. And then Air Force decided that it didn't want to play anymore, and that was it. And just held the ball, yeah, ran yeah. the clock, forced a turnover. I think yeah. uh, forced a turnover, or a three and out, or something. And then that was it. Air Force held the ball for like most of the second half and just ended this game. Very impressed with them. Um, Wyoming wins this one on a blocked kick that they returned for a touchdown. Per- no notes. Perfect. That is <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. That is Wyoming football to a T. Um, yeah, that is, it's never pretty and they still won and you do, do what you got to do to win games. Um, of the other ones, good on Colorado state, UNLV, New Mexico and Hawaii for taking care of business against, you know, decent enough conference USA opponents. I think good wins for, for those, uh, for those three, New Mexico as well. Good on them for figuring it out. They almost blew this one. They tried to, uh, but they went it in <laughs> overtime. Um, Nevada, I think started 17, they were up 17, nothing. And then just, that was it. Um, it's a tough, it's a tough year for them. Good effort, I guess, on their part. I'm glad that they're still trying. I, I think they probably will get one or two wins this season if they can continue, if they continue to try because weird things happen in football. Um, yeah. but other than also, I, I will say on UNLV, I think UNLV is good. I think UNLV might be full they, on good. Yeah, they are. They might be good. They've. I've been impressed with them. I think that they are. They're. They're pretty solid this season. I think that they might be a bowl team. Yeah. Um, but like other not than just that, good for UNLV, like yeah. good, good. Yeah, like, like a, good like at a, football. Yeah, like a good Mountain West team and a Mountain West that that is open for good teams. I think that there are some yes. solidly great teams at the top of this conference with Air Force and, and Fresno State. I think Wyoming is great at what it does and is a, a rung <laughs> yeah. below those teams, but is very good at its its thing. Um, and then there's a whole lot of room for somebody else to step in. If UNLV wants to do that, there's room to do it. Just, just you know, I, I've been impressed with them. Other than that, not a ton of thoughts. Um, fun week. It was a fun week in the Mountain West. Yeah, definitely a fun week. Some, some things that uh, some of these teams have to figure out. Like you said, Air Force and Fresno State, uh, both those teams are undefeated. They're the only ones that really are playing as though they uh, they don't have anything to figure out. Wyoming, um, who knows? Who knows what they're trying to do? Who knows what they're doing? But they're they're doing something and they're winning games. Yep. Um, if it works, everybody it works. else seems to have work to do. Utah State for sure uh, in in that category, but Utah State is not not out of it. There's there's a uh, it's wide open. I think for that 
after the top two, maybe top three, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it can be very easy to end up in the top half of this conference or the bottom half of this conference, depending on, you know, who figures, who figures himself out first. Yep. I believe that uh, maybe I'm, there's a team I'm forgetting. Um, I, I'm sure that there is <clears throat> a team that could go undefeated that Utah State won't play. I don't know who it is um, off the top of my head. In uh, the conference, we don't play. Wyoming. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a good one. So Utah State does they, not. They have a loss, but they could go undefeated in conference. I think. Yeah, yeah. Utah State does not control its destiny because if Air Force and Wyoming win out, those two would be in the conference championship game. Um, yeah. I don't. I would not. You know, plan for that to happen. That would take a lot of things. I don't know if those two play each other. They might. Um, I don't know Wyoming's schedule off the top of my head. If they do, then then it would be. You know, if if, uh, if Wyoming wins that game, then Air Force would still go over Utah State. But Utah State, other than that, controls its destiny, gets Fresno State at home, gets Boise State at home. Everything is still in front of, of this team. The goals for this team are still intact. It doesn't feel like it yeah, when you're 1-3, yeah. but Utah yeah, State... It's tough. Yeah, Utah State continues to have a path here and I think gets the two toughest opponents left on its schedule at home. That is something yeah. to build around. That is something that you can you can feel good about going in. Utah State will have, you know, it's not a good opportunity. <laughs> Fresno State and Boise State are hard to beat, and Utah State will, you know, have a hard time doing that, I think, because those are, in Fresno State's case, a really good team, and in Boise State's case, a talented team that might at some point figure it out if they, you know, go get Chris Peterson as their their shadow head coach for the rest of the season or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah. uh, the the path is still there for Utah State to, to make some noise here. The, the losses yeah. are frustrating, but that they have come largely in non-conference play means that it is and not the good end teams. of the world. Yeah, into good yeah. teams. It's no, not the no end of the world. No bad losses, I don't think. Um, tough losses for sure, but no, yeah. not bad. Um, I'll also note Wyoming does play Air Force and they actually play on October 14th. Okay. Um, that's the Saturday. That's a, the week that Utah State has a Friday game against Fresno State at home. Yeah. Um, that weekend is kind of looking like um, if Utah State can figure figure it out and, and play well to that point, uh, that weekend might kind of determine Utah State's fate because it will be uh, Utah State hosting Fresno State and the Wyoming Air Force playing. So that mm-hmm. could uh, that could be big uh in terms of our our season goals of getting to the the mountain west championship that weekend is probably the weekend to circle on your calendar yep yep well we'll uh we'll see we'll be back for the preview later this week of the yukon game um parker anything else here that's all i got um go aggies